Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Heart of Dating podcast today. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and I am so excited and just honored that you're tuning in today for this amazing conversation. Now, before we get into that, I need to share with you our biggest announcement ever. During this global pandemic, singles have been feeling more isolated and more worn down about dating than ever before. And even dating couples have been experiencing a certain level of frustration. So because of that, I wanted to create something that could uplift your spirits, reignite your excitement about dating, and provide you with helpful tools to navigate this season with clarity, intentionality, and biblical wisdom. So I brought together some of the top pastors, speakers, authors, psychologists, thought leaders, all the things in the relationship and dating space to create a special online event for you called the Online Heart of Dating Conference. You guys, this conference is for men and women, single or dating couples, and all sessions will go live on July 25th. Hey, yo. Now, if you don't have time the day of the launch to watch everything, it's not a problem at all because all sessions are going to be available on demand so you can set your own schedule and your own pace. With your registration, you'll get unlimited access for an entire year so you can watch and rewatch the sessions as many times as you'd like. Here are some themes of the overall conference that we'll be discussing. Sex and sexual desire, stewarding your singleness well, dating how-tos, biblical dating, mental health, heartbreak and healing, as well as dating tools. You guys, I'm so excited to bring you this conference. We have so many amazing speakers. I've been loving hearing what their topics are, and you are just going to be so blessed. Now, right now, through July 3rd, is early bird pricing. You get a special 10% off by using HODC10. So if you want to join us right now, jump on it and go to heartofdatingconference.com. And again, you can use the code HODC10 for 10% off. Okay, you guys, now it's time for the episode this week, and I'm so excited about it. Last week, we had my dear friend Tiffany McLean on to talk about dating as a black woman. And I just want to say I love Tiff so much for her willingness to share her story and insight. She is such a dear friend of mine, and her vulnerability just shined throughout the episode. And I also want to say at the same time, I know that Tiff's story is only one part of the pie, and I know that it does not represent the extent of every black woman's situation or experience in dating. Now, even with just last week's interview, and then this week's interview where we're going to be covering dating as a black man, I recognize that both of these conversations are just the beginning. We're just starting to dip our feet in the water of this conversation. So thank you guys so much for your emails, your DMs, with all your support as well as feedback. Let me just tell you, we are here for all of it and I'm personally reading every single one. So let's go into today's episode with my friend, D'Angelo Moss. D'Angelo Moss is a man on a mission to deliver truth to his generation. He's known for his fearless and uncompromising approach to God's word. 
D'Angelo believes that the understanding and practice of biblical principles is key in realizing one's potential. With a proven ability to inspire and connect with people, his relatable approach to communicating serves him well in his pursuit to help people live their best lives. Now, D'Angelo is one of my very best guy friends. I respect him so much. He's also single, and I just love our conversations on dating. And recently, we've been talking so much about racism and just everything in the country, as well as what he's personally experienced in this area as a black man. So I welcome you to have open ears to listen to this conversation with love as D'Angelo and I share and have a conversation on dating as a black man and what that has been like for him. So without further ado, my conversation with D'Angelo Moss. D'Angelo Moss, what's up, my friend? Welcome to Heart of Dating. <laughs> what's up, Kate? How you doing, girl? I love it. I wish we were in real life doing this combo right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of bummed about know, that, right? I know. But you know what? I've moved almost as far away from you as I can get in the U.S. I, I, I now live in North Carolina. I know. Like, it's crazy. Nothing <laughs> against North Carolina, but I'm actually also sad about that because you just keep getting further and further away. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. But it's all good. Technology allows for us to stay connected, right? I know. And the irony is that's how we actually met to begin with. We met on Instagram. <laughs> like, we met virtually, <laughs> right? Back in the day. I know. Yeah. You got to tell the people how we met. Like, so, well, I'll yeah. tell them. So, yeah. so Kate, Kate is my girl. I love this woman. I'm I'm, a, I'm her biggest fan. She's so awesome. But Kate and I met via Instagram because I started following her. Because I used to also run a dating kind of program slash account, you know, and I focused on Christian dating. So when I saw what she was doing, I'm like, man, I got to connect with this girl. She's so awesome. And that was all she wrote. Now we're friends and we're like best buds. I know. Like, I remember and I think I invited you because at the time you were in California, I invited you to one of my like my single events or whatever. And then you couldn't make it. But we decided to like have a chat on the phone. I can't remember if it was before or after the event. But I was like, this person's like super legit you know all you can see on Instagram is like pictures quotes whatever they post you know but then when we connected I was like oh I love his heart for like dating and we discovered that we both are have similar personality types like Enneagram 3 you know so that was fun I could tell you were like just an entrepreneurial spirit and yeah, the rest is history. It's been super fun with the recent things happening in our world. D'Angelo, like I reached out to you and kind of was like, Hey, like, you know, what's going on here? How are you doing? Cause we, we do that. We, uh, we do life together. You know, it's like, we are yeah. ready to talk about all things in life. And there was no reason for me not to reach out and ask like, Hey, what, like, how are you feeling with everything? And on top of that, you know, then we talked about like, just dealing with that for me as a leader and doing this podcast and having these conversations more frequently. So, Thank you so much for just being willing to come on and share your heart and be vulnerable with us and honest. And I have a feeling this is just going to be a real, really, real, real dialogue. (laughs) Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And first of all, let me just say, you know, I have a lot of white friends and, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. I have to say thank you to you because you were actually the first of mm. all of my white friends to hit me up and be like, hey, how are you doing? How is your heart? Are you good? And I really appreciate that, honestly. Mm. Like, I, I've, 
I've never really had that, uh, you know, in my life. I never really needed it. But I mean, you know, with everything that's been happening over the last, you know, few weeks or so, it, it actually really uh, took its toll out on me. And I, and I really appreciated you, you know, hitting me up because I was like, man, I really do have people who care about me. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for that. And it's my honor. It's my joy to be here and to contribute in any way that I can to kind of speak to kind of what it's like to be a black guy, you know, today yeah. and even to date as a black guy today. It's, it's, you know, I'm always happy to add my perspective on that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for being here. All the things, all the feels. And you and I, like, through our friendship have talked about probably less the topic of race, but more so, but lots of dating topics. So I'm excited today to kind of incorporate both of these topics together because you and I have had extensive conversations about dating (laughs) for the last however long, (laughs) both our personal dating lives and just dating in general and dating in the church. And we're super passionate about that. But um, so I'm really excited because we haven't even had all of the conversation that we're about to have today, you know, so it's kind of like fresh and new. So I'm excited to like dive into this with you. So I really want to start by saying like, yeah, just a general question, like, how has it been for you, Dee? Like, being a black man, how has that like impacted your dating life, really? Well, <laughs> to be honest, like, I have to kind of like preface all of this by saying like, I don't really date a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've I've been on, you know, dates here and there, but I don't, I'm not the type of person that go on a bunch of dates. I'm, I'm, I've been really content with, you know, focusing on my career, I guess, over the last, you know, few months at least but you know i i don't i don't really feel like i guess my race really impacted much my my dating life i mean i haven't really thought about it much to be quite honest but i don't think it has you know but when i when i think about that question i have to i have to say this as well you know the reason why i haven't dated a whole lot is because for one you know i I worked in an industry that allowed for me to travel a lot so i wasn't i wasn't local uh, very often. Mm. And then I travel all over the country. <laughs> like I can't yeah. stay in one place long enough to really establish a community that I can really get to know people, you know, the way that I would like to and kind of like have that organic relationship built, mm. you know, but, you know, I've done like the dating apps and stuff like that. And um, it's been really good, honestly, like I've I've had a lot of positive feedback. I feel like I get a lot of interest on uh, dating apps and occasionally I'll have, you know, women hit on me and stuff like that. And <laughs> when I hit on women, <laughs> I feel like, you know, my 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 race that hasn't really impacted me much in that arena. I will say this, though. I, I don't know if this matters, but <laughs> it's kind of weird. So I, I like I said, I travel a lot for work. And one of the things that I like to do, and this is just for, for my own interest, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm on a couple of the dating apps or whatnot. And what's always interesting to me is, you know, when I go to certain areas, I tend to get more interest than when I go to other areas. Right. So, like, for example, like whenever I go to Atlanta or whenever I go to Georgia, I get hit up as soon as I land. Like I have I'm like bombarded with a lot of, you know, uh, I guess likes or, or you know, interest from women on, on, on the dating apps. But when I go to certain other places, it's just not that way. It's just it's just oh, wow. it's just not that way. I mean, and I, and I don't know what it, I never haven't really thought much about it. I don't know what the, the dating market is like out there. But, you know, I always see that and I always find it really interesting, um, oh, typically in interesting. areas where there are more black women. Yeah, though, they tend to respond, you know. <laughs> more positive to me. Yeah. I can't say why that is, but that's just that's just the reality that I've 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 come to understand. So that's interesting. That is super interesting. 
And so it kind of leads into this next question, too, because you have been a lot like around the country. You have spoken at lots of different churches and you've attended a lot of churches and also a lot of predominantly white churches are led by a lot of white leaders. Right. How have you felt in those environments in especially white majority communities or churches? Ooh. All right. So that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> so, realize that. So, well, so here's the thing. So let me pre- let me let me say this before I get started here. Um, mm. I have to say that, you know, the, when I go to the different churches that I've gone to, I'm going there kind of in a leadership position. Right. So the people who are there are looking for me. They they know that they're going to they're going to have a speaker there. And I'm that guy. So it's not like, you know, I enter into a situ- situation where people really don't know me, mm. um, at least after a short period of time they do. But, you know, what's funny is that um, when I go certain places, and it's not everywhere, but sometimes when I go places, um, I find that, bef- you know, before people know who I am, you know, oftentimes people are like kind of, you know, questioning me like or, or questionable, like, who are you? You know, what are you, what are you doing here? And, you know, they, you kind of see people raise their eyebrows yeah. at you, especially when it's like a predominantly white church. And, you know, when I go places, you know, although I'm professional and all that stuff, you know, I you know, wholeheartedly embrace my culture. So oftentimes you'll see me in like a fitted cap and some jeans and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, that's how I enter into the place. And then when it's time for me to present, I'm I'm a lot more, you know, suitable for the environment. But, you know, that's how I am. That's how I'm comfortable. And, you know, it tends to kind of raise eyebrows whenever I enter into certain places like that. But, you know, I've kind of gotten used to it. And, you know, when that happens, you just kind of introduce yourself and people kind of like let their guard down, so to speak. That's interesting. But it's interesting, too, that, you you know, it's like you've just gotten used to like people just being like, oh, that's different, you know, like and I think the issue is like that we kind of even have the oh, that's different. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh, man. No, you're 100 percent right. Like 100 percent right. Yeah. That's where the bubble needs to be popped, in my opinion. It's like almost this implicit bias where like we have this thought that's there and we kind of roll with it. We never really question it per se. It's just there. We may not even act on it, you know, really, but it's just, it's in our heads or it's, it's shown in like our facial expressions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. And I think, you know, after kind of stepping back and thinking about it, I think that's actually a really big problem. Yeah. You know, we've, I've become accustomed to being treated slightly differently or having to, you know, explain myself and you know i've just been used to not mm-hmm. being welcomed in certain places you know and i've i've actually had to like kind of check myself a little bit because i've realized that i've actually built up certain defense mechanisms because of my race and this is kind of like a, a i'm i'm kind of giving you the real raw right yeah. now but you know i go to places all around the country and I am not oblivious to, you know, the the racism and just like, you know, certain differences. And I have to be aware of my surroundings at all times. And I found that like when I'm in certain places, like when I go into a restaurant, I found that I unconsciously choose a seat where my back is in the, so I'm, my back is to the corner. I'm in the I'm in the corner. My back is to the corner and I position myself so that I can see the entire room. Mm. I always do that. I always do that. And the reason why I do that is because I need to know who's around me at all times. I need to be able to see people looking at me and things like that because I pick up on it all. And it's something that I've learned to do 
just because I realized that, you know, race is a real big issue. And there are certain places that I can go in the U.S. where I am not as accepted as other races. So, you know, there are things like that. That's a problem. And I feel like, you know, these things need to really be addressed in order for us to really progress as a nation and as a people. Yeah, because I what I've understood in having conversations with friends like you and, and my friend Tiffany and then other other friends, other leaders is that like some of these things have become normal for you guys. Like, you know, it's like you, you normally like you just said, it's like a habit. You learn to do that, you know, and the same time, white people have kind of also built their own habits as well. And these habits need to be broken, you know, like on on the white. This is the time where those things are being exposed is like, why are are we looking at somebody and having a judgment or why is it that a black man has to sit in the court feels like he's going to sit in the corner of the restaurant so he can have eyes on everybody there because you just never know you know like ah to me that my my heart's like hurts hearing that to say like okay this and especially being a black man I feel like there's something even with that that there's an added I don't know the right word stereotype there of like there's an assumption of aggression with black men yeah yeah no, you're right. Yeah. You're 100 percent right, too. And again, this is something that I'm trying to shake, um, you know, personally, because I know not everyone is a racist. right? Like, yeah. And in fact, I believe that the majority of people really have a desire to, to to feel like they're good people. But at the same time, I know people also have this thing within themselves to protect themselves. And that's like the first instinctive thing. Yes. Right. It's like I need to protect myself before I try to branch out and meet new people and understand where they're coming from and mm. things like that. But, um, you know, I, I've really tried to really change, you know, certain parts of me where I have biases or I, I'm, you know, I have these protection mechanisms up because I really do believe that it, it it's going to take dialogue. It's going to take people being able to see that, hey, I'm not a threat to you. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. be alarmed when I walk into a room. In fact, if you got to know me, you would think that I'm a great guy. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, I think I'm a great guy. Yes, and, you are. You know, <laughs> I appreciate that. But, you know, I think it's something that I need to work on myself as well. Mm. You know, it's not just an outward thing, you know, something that's inward as well. Yeah, but for you, it totally makes sense. Like there's an inherent like almost trauma system of like that's either happened to you. You've had judgments. You've had things happen to you. You've seen it happen to other people close to you. And so right. it totally makes sense why you would feel like I have to have these specific kind of habits. It, but the, my thing is in being a white person, it's like, hey, I don't think a lot of white people have realized that is how black people live. You know, just they kind of make us feel comfortable. <laughs> A lot of times, you know, and and we need to recognize like, hey, that's an issue. Like, this is a problem. And and that's where my heart is really to say, like, yeah, not everyone would be a quote unquote racist outwardly. I don't think this conversation is just about like the extremists. I really don't. I think the extremists are terrible. Right. And like, you know, even when it comes to Christian culture, there is extremists in the Christian culture, like the people who are on the sidewalk with the megaphones. And I'm like, that is just really not helpful um, at all. And you're making a bad name for all Christians. Right. But uh, but the reality is, I'm not saying that every white person is 
one of the like Christian megaphone people when it comes to racism, but there is are, there are ways and nuances that we are part of this because of systematic racism. And that's where we get caught up in this dialogue of like, well, individually, I'm not a racist. Like I have, I have a black friend. I, I have this that, and the other, you know, and it's like, well, but there is also potentially systematic racism. And I heard this awesome conversation. I brought this up with my friend Tiff with Christine Kane and Dr. Anita And it's like a 90 minute conversation on IGTV. And she was talking about like, this is so ingrained in our culture that like there are studies that have been shown to to prove that like even police officers have a specific bias. When you look at when they've looked at a photo of a a black boy compared to a white boy, I think that she shared in the study that on average, they guessed that the white boy was four years younger than the black boy on average when they were exactly the same age and that is that's a problem right there's a systematic bias that is impacting us whether or not we have been aware of it in the past and whether or not we would outrightly say we're racist but that's a problem because there's been this cultural root of dehumanization of black people since the beginning beginning of our culture (laughs) here in the united states yeah you know, and that's that's a very real thing. I mean, without getting too deep and too into <laughs> kind of like <laughs> some of the things that's happened in America, you know, I'll I'll just say this. Um, I think I had mentioned this to you before, but you know, there's an awesome documentary on um, on Netflix yeah. called Thirteenth. Yes, I love uh, it. About the Thirteenth Amendment mm. and um, how there is basically a it's essentially how imprisonment allows for in a way people to lose access to the 13th amendment and, and, and their rights to be free, I should yeah, say. Yeah. And what it's just you, a new what form of see, slavery. Like it's a new form of, exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And what it talks about, what was very interesting in this documentary, it kind of talks about the mindset and how there is an idea that was pushed on the people through media that black people are dangerous. Black people are murderers. Black people are rapists and they are all these different things. So it, they, it, it essentially cultivated a fear in people yeah. um, so that they automatically in their mind, they think that you, you, you probably have did that. So all of a sudden you don't have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You, it's like, man, you're, you're guilty before you proven, you know, innocent or whatnot. Yes. But what's interesting about that, and this is something that I've even like, it, it really shocked me is that some of these things that were put into place and the ideas that were pushed on people not only affected, you know, white people and looking at, you know, black people negatively, but it also affected black people and looking at black people negatively. So, wow. you know, it's like, man, we we're afraid of ourselves or we're mm. afraid of our people because of the ideas that have been pushed on us, which many of them aren't even true. And it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like that's that's the reality of what we what we're living in today. Oh, but you know, but I feel like, and this is a, the encouraging part of everything that we're talking about and kind of what's going on right now. You know, I feel like with everything that's happened with, you know, police brutality, with George Floyd and everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, through all the negativity, the positive thing that I can take from all this is that I am seeing that people's eyes are being open, especially my white friends. And it is the most encouraging mm-hmm. thing in the world to me to see so many people get on board with anti-racism initiatives. Yeah. And I feel like just, you know, people are being awakened to the reality of the way people, black people live. And I feel like it's a really important thing for people to understand the struggles and kind of like the situations of other 
people so that they can sympathize with them and really understand where they're coming from and really be able to make proper decisions as opposed to just being kind of in your own bubble, enjoying your life. And, you know, I think that's how, you know, the privilege thing kind of kind of comes into play. It's just that people don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We haven't. And in in some capacities, we haven't been educated. Like even looking through history, there's things that like we didn't weren't taught, you know, and like I just I didn't even know that Central Park used to be a village called Seneca Village, I believe it was called. And like that was in essence totally destroyed. And that was a black village and community that was totally destroyed to make way for Central Park. I didn't even know that that's not something that I was taught in history. And that's terrible it's absolutely Mm. terrible and like I'm just getting to know that now that's a significant portion of history that I wish I had learned you know but it's not it's to say okay there's again systematic racism that is because of a larger cultural issue so how can I be a part of re-educating myself learning listening Hey friends, we wanted to quickly interrupt this incredible episode today to bring to you something that we're really excited about. We hear women saying all the time, where are all the good Christian men out there? And while I know dating is frustrating, trust me, I hear it. I also know God created amazing single Christian men. If you like some proof of that, ladies, then I'd like to invite you to come see them for yourself in our Drop the Hanky digital dating program. We created this platform as a new form to online date. Basically, it's a service that features videos of Christian single men from around the world of varying ages. We post new single men on the platform daily. Here's one testimonial that we recently got and just loved. The Lord has shown me that he can bring healing from brokenness. This is what I'm experiencing as I've connected with one of the guys in the program. No, we don't enter as a blank slate, but the Lord is helping me see that my past does not dictate the future. There is hope, restoration, and reconciliation. No matter where this relationship leads, the Lord is calling me to embrace what's in front of me. That is good, that is different, and He truly makes things new. This was the best $9 I have ever spent. You guys, I just love that. We have so many testimonials like this, and we do have relationships coming from the Drop the Hanky program, which is such a testimony to what God is doing here. Now, if you want to give it a shot, I want to encourage you to come join us for $9 by visiting bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky. And also, dudes, you're not off the hook. We want you to be a part of this as well. It takes two to tango. And in order to make this program thrive, we do need guys to submit videos for the program. So if you are a single dude or if you know an eligible single Christian dude, we want to invite you to nominate them or nominate yourself. You can do this by going to bit.ly forward slash single dude. Now, I know it takes vulnerability, but guys, isn't it worth a shot to try something different and have a whole bunch of women potentially contact you and then see what happens? I'd say it is. Here's what one of the guys in our program had to say. Drop the hanky has challenged me to put myself out there knowing there would be some sort of response. It's 10,000 times better than a dating app. It gave me an opportunity to meet awesome women who love God. You guys, this is awesome. We'd love to see more singles of all ages come and join what we are doing. With that, I kind of want to transition this dialogue into also how this 
this implicit bias also affects dating because I do find that uh, there's a big fear on dating interracially, dating um, people that are from different cultural backgrounds. And I, I've heard a lot from our people in our community that are either black men or black women just saying like, hey, I feel like I'm in a white society or I go to a white church, majority white church and I'm constantly left out. I'm constantly, there's like preconceived ideas about me or people, I have to work extra hard to be seen or for somebody to give me a shot. I don't know if you've experienced that specifically as a black man at all, but I, I definitely know that's a heart cry in our community of people that have been sharing that with me. You know, I'm going to kind of like flip it a little bit. I'm just going to be really transparent right now. Yeah. Uh, So Yes, uh, you know, I'm sure that that's been the case for me. Um, but honestly, I probably haven't been able to see it because mm. of my own biases, I think. Honestly, mm. if I'm if I'm being straight up with you, mm. I feel like I have in a way been afraid to date outside of my race. And what I mean by dating, I mean I so I believe there's a difference between going on dates and actually dating someone. Yeah. I've never dated anyone outside of my race, meaning long-term, you know, yeah. relationship type of thing. But I have gone on dates with people outside of my race. But I've never really been super comfortable doing that because I think for one, I think there's the fear. There is the cultural expectation, you know, that, you know, a black person should be with a black person and a white person should be right. You know, that type of thing. In fact, I can even say I, I went to a school mm. <laughs> where the teacher said they don't, but like you shouldn't date, uh, you know, per- people outside of your race. Oh my and this is an, I actually, and this was a white person. <laughs> saying uh, this. Oh, like, oh my gosh. So, yeah. Um. So, you know, this is kind of like what I grew up with and, you know, I grew up in Detroit. Um, mm. so it's predominantly black. So, you know, that's what I'm accustomed to, right? Dating people who are within your race. But, you know, I've, I've, there have been times when I'm like, man, I would, I would, I wouldn't mind giving this person a shot. But then there was always that, that fear in me. That's like, oh, I don't know, but what am I, what are, you know, what are my friends going to say? What are so-and-so is going to say, what is it going to be like when I go to a restaurant or when I go to a state where, you know, that's not as accepted and yeah. people are looking at me, how am I going to respond? And it's like, it's not that I couldn't handle those types of situations. It's just that it's something that you really have to kind of take into account and really think about because it's going to happen. And you have to think about, okay, is this something that I really want to be a part of? And, I, you know, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. In fact, I think that, you know, I would, I would love to be in a place where that was not even a factor. You know what I mean? But it's the, the reality of it is it has been. And I don't like it, but you know, that, that, that's, that's been the truth. So yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, I think that's so cool that even just on a vulnerability side to like flip it for you to say, like, even you've been that way, just like mainly seriously dated people in your own race, because that there's a lot of challenges and possibly like fears that exist of like, what will this be like if I dated a white woman seriously, or, you know, somebody else like what would that look like? And I I can imagine like as a man and also being a black man, there's probably a lot that that would feel like it would fall on you to like really feel the weight of that. I don't know. That's just my assumption. Wow. You know, that, that does make sense. And, and it's also sad at the same time. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is just a desire to want to be accepted. I think everyone just kind of wants to be loved and accepted and things. And, you know, honestly, I think about what it would be like to date outside of my race. And I I think about weird stuff like, man, what happens when, you know, I go to, you know, my significant other's 
parents home for thanksgiving and like you know like like what is that going to be like you know yeah. are they going to be like you know are they going to kind of look down at me are they going to be watching everything that i do and are they going to be comparing my cultural experiences versus theirs how i mm. do things versus the way they do it you know i think about these types of things and it's weird i know i don't know if if anybody else you know thinks about these things but that's what i've thought about and i, I would hate to be in a scenario where people have these ideas about me because i am different in some ways because i i'll be honest like you know, certain friends of my, like certain friends of mine who haven't had certain experiences that I've had. If you come to my family's Thanksgiving dinner, it's going to be a whole, it's going to be a ball. It's going to be a whole experience. Like, because <laughs> it's, gonna it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> my family's crazy, you know, <laughs> but, <I love> it. <laughs> but, you know, but that's my, you know, that's how we do it. And I, I'm sure a lot of black people kind of like attest to that. And, it, you know, if you come into, my, you know, black people come into my environment, it wouldn't even be a thing. But like, you know, that's just not the way that a lot of other people do it. So well, yeah, what I'm, things like that. What I'm hearing too, and what you're saying is like, it's almost like there's already so many uncomfortabilities and so many things that in an overall way, black people don't feel seen or heard in. So like, if there's already all these things you deal with culturally and just even just subtle nuances, whether it's big things or seeing it happen to friends or like these subtle nuances, things you're aware of, you making yourself making white people feel comfortable because you're around, whatever it is. It's like, why am I then going to intentionally also add the uncomfortability of dating a white person and potentially having it be really, really uncomfortable when I've already dealt with this uncomfortability for my whole life? Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just that's coming to mind where I'm like, wow, I mean, that that makes sense in a way. Kate, you're so eloquent. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how it feels, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of just like everybody wants to be, it's almost like you want to be comfortable. You want to find someone who is similar to you because you know, you're going to have difficulties. I mean, that's, that's a given in any relationship, yeah. but I think sometimes we look for um, the path of least resistance, so to speak. Yeah. And sometimes I think in our minds, we, we, we rationalize that, oh, actually dating within your race is that path. You know what I mean? And that may not be the case. It just may not. Yeah. If, and another thing that I have, if, if you don't mind, I want to say one other thing. Yeah. I feel like it's wrong to not give another person a chance to show up in those moments as well. Yes. You know, um, yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, you can't have certain ideas about what other people are going, how other people are going to respond or what they're going to think about. You have to kind of let them either accept you for who you are, accept your situation for how it is or not. But yeah. it's not fair for you to pass judgment on people and say, you are going to respond this way. And therefore, I'm not going to date you or be with you because I think you're going to respond. That's not that's not fair. I think that that's something that needs to change. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I love that. And I think when we flip it and say, like, if I'm a white person saying, like, I don't want to date someone outside my race, I think there's just for me a different level of less empathy and more frustration in that because we we already yeah. live in a pretty comfortable bubble <laughs> and so like yeah. we just want it to be extra cozy whereas what I just explained where what I feel like where you're coming from is like there's a deep level of feeling frustrated uncomfortable oppressed in ways always being on the watch and like I'm going to sign up to also do that in my intimate relationships that that's tougher for me to say like yes I want to do that but then for white people, it's like, we're comfortable. We don't really have to have these discussions. We haven't had to have these discussions as much. We have a lot of white privilege. And so I get more frustrated when I hear white people being like, yeah, no, I'm not going to date someone outside my race. I'm like, really? What's, what? Why are you so afraid of being uncomfortable? Like, can't you just 
<laughs> Can't you get out of your comfort zone? Sorry. That's just where I am. People listening, I'm sorry. The white people listening, maybe I'm not sorry, actually. But I get I get frustrated. I'm just being honest, okay? And I, I do just think at the core here, I'm joking in a way. I'm serious and joking. But it's to, to more so question, like, why? Why is that? Why are you afraid of being uncomfortable, especially white people? Why is has that been your implicit bias? Like, and just questioning it a little more to say, like, what is the reason there? And is there really a legitimate reason for why I'm eliminating a potential possibility of someone who could be amazing just because there may be uncomfortability with having different cultural backgrounds? Wow. I mean, I think you're 100 percent right. Listen, <laughs> you're right. You got to let it out sometimes. I, I love that. I oh, love, my God. You're being real in that moment. That was from the heart. I felt that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that. I'm sweating over here. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's it's a real thing. It's it's a real thing. You know, it's funny. So I was I was watching the Hunger Games the yeah. other day. You know, I, I I haven't watched that in a long time, but like I was watching it right as all of this. You know, all we have all this racial tension and stuff. And you know, when I was watching that, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of similarities wow. between, you know, the black experience and kind of what was being depicted in this movie, wow. particularly. The people who were in the Capitol, specifically. If you've ever seen that movie, you know, the people who were in the Capitol were all about, like, their luxury and kind of living these lavish lives, and they enjoyed the games. And it's not that they hated people in the other other, uh, districts, but they were oblivious to their situation. And Mm -hmm. I think they were more comfortable with their situation and living the type of lifestyle that they were living that they couldn't even see the hurt that was going on in other places to the extent that they were in favor of the games. They thought that it was a privilege to be a part of the games. But, you know, <laughs> oh the people in the other, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The people in the other districts were like, look, all we're trying to do is live comfortable lives. We don't want to have to die and put our lives at risk. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like a lot of times <laughs> that's kind of like the black experience, right? Like we wow. just, you know, we're just, we're not fighting for, you know, equality. Like I, I saw a, a comedy, you know, little piece. It was talking about we're not fighting for equality. We're 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 fighting for civil rights. <laughs> now we just wow. want you to be civil with us. Like that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the parallels you're making are crazy because I've read those books, seen all the movies, and I'm like literally, my hand is on my head right now. Like, whoa, that is real. That is so real. And I have to say, and I say this not to like pretend like oh I'm the most woke white person whatever like that I know everything no absolutely not like I have admittedly been some of the people that have that would be in the capital like I just like this it's nice to be feel privileged it's nice to be in my bubble it's nice to have xyz you know like because sometimes it's because it's uncomfortable and we don't often want to be uncomfortable (laughs) you know and and but at the same time what what my eyes have been I, it's this journey for me started a few years ago when I heard Brian Stevenson talk and started getting into hearing more about his ministry at, with fighting for the wrongly incarcerated. And ever since I heard him talk, read his book, Just Mercy, and started actually going into prison ministry, stepping into prisons, realizing the reality of like, yes, there's some white people in prison for sure. And that all of it is terrible, but the reality is there's way more black people in prison. And that documentary 13th, like hit me so hard a few years ago when I saw it. And I'm like, I'm done being in my comfortable bubble. Like, <laughs> I mean, and there's still ways I've fallen into it because it's easy. But like, I think this moment in time in history is to say, 
hey, we recognize that there is a bit of a bubble and not a bit that there is a bubble. And how can we have conversations and just try to get in proximity to to understand what the black experience has been like? We'll never fully understand. And that's something that's been said a lot lately, but to try to gain more perspective because this is deeply rooted. I grew up in Connecticut. There's a, there's where I had very little black people where I grew up, you know, and I just, that was my cultural upbringing. You know what I mean? And so like, there's lots of things that I didn't realize. And now that I am recognizing it like I don't want to just live and keep living in the capital I can't just keep living in the capital like you know the Hunger Games reference because what's happening outside of my district is so terrible (laughs) Mm. listen and and I have to take a moment and commend you because to be quite honest with you like it's it's cool that you acknowledge where you come from and that's all good there's there's nothing right or wrong about that but I feel like you have done what I feel like most people need to do which is educate yourself you are you have been so interested in understanding you know what the black experience is like i mean you've caught me and asked me questions straight up you have been the most vocal person about racial injustice on instagram out of all of my friends so i mean at the end of the day i'm like look you (laughs) you're the real deal and i have to commend you for that because you really are, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, like literally. I mean, you you have a massive platform and you I'm, I'm sure not everybody has been, you know, uh, on board with your right. <laughs> being so vocal. Okay. I'm sure that's the case, yeah. <laughs> but you're doing it anyway. And I just I really feel like, you know, that deserves, you know, honoring because mm-hmm. realistically, like everybody can talk about it, everybody can post a you know picture of an all black screen, say whatever. Yeah. But the reality of it is you're you're like you're you're making some noise out there and you're using your platform to really make change happen so I really appreciate that thanks D it's so like amazing to hear you say that at the same time my heart is like I don't deserve that credit because it's like this is just the character what should have been the character of Jesus in me and so many other people since the beginning of becoming of time and becoming a Christian especially you know it's like our heart is called to be there to care about the oppressed in society. And that is so clear. And so I'm just, I'm thankful to be able to learn, honestly. Like, that, like I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to learn because life becomes so, is so much more beautiful when you can see it holistically versus just living in whatever perfectness you feel like you have in front of you. Like, I would never, and, and so that is my hope and desire for other people listening too, is to say, I am, I'm, definitely not the leader of this cause, but I I hope and I want to invite people to, especially the white people listening to just dive deeper and and educate yourselves and be a voice in whatever community and environment you're in. You don't have to have a mega Instagram platform to talk about this amidst your white friends and in your communities, uh, wherever you live. We have people all around the country, all around the world, and uh, people that I'm sure this conversation is much harder for, especially in areas of the country which are predominantly white and who, you know, where the white bubble is really big, you know? And so 
that's my invitation for people. And when it comes to dating is to just to open your minds of like, why do I do I have bias? Have I thought these things? Have I eliminated people because of the color of their skin? Have I made judgments? And and if so, why is that? Like, can I trace back like where that started or figure out why that has been in like a thought in my mind that's maybe ingrained for a long time? And how can I start doing the work to rewire that? I think that's the only way this is really going to change overall is if we all collectively do that together, you know? Mic drop. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> Friend, I love this. I love you. And I am so grateful just to hear your heart because you shared a lot of vulnerable things here today too. I, we got real. I mean, we, we knew we were going to, but like <laughs> this is all of our combos together. So people just got a backseat of like listening in to what we would normally talk about on or off air, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I feel like, you know, we I feel like it's, it's kind of time out for us, you know, hiding our true feelings and really like being open and honest about the way we feel and kind of like what's going on in the world. Because that's the only thing that's the only way that, first of all, our experiences are going to help people. And it's the only way we're going to change as well. Yeah. So, yes, I couldn't about. agree more. Uh, so before we leave this conversation, I have to ask you the same question I ask every guest, OK, which is what's your final nugget of dating advice for the heart of dating people today? <sighs> Man, what is my final advice? Um I guess for anyone out there who is hesitant about dating for any reason, whether that be because of a person's race or because of any other thing that would limit you from, you know, giving dating a shot, I would say dare to date, dare to date, get out there and make it happen because that's the only way you're going to really make connections. And I believe that oftentimes it just takes more at bats <laughs> in order for you to find the love that you're looking for. And um, I don't think that it's a bad thing to not be afraid to get out there and try and fail until you find what's right for you. Yeah, I love that. Love that. And I just want everyone to know as a side note, like D'Angelo has so much wisdom when it comes to dating, just in general. Like, I love you. <laughs> and also you're single. So, hey, yo. <laughs> I mean, what's up, ladies? I'm saying. <laughs> drop that tea, drop that hanky, ladies. Should I even say that now? Your Instagram will be flooded. You are welcome. <laughs> Please. Hey, it's welcome. It is welcome. So it's all good. <laughs> I love it. Dee, thank you so much for coming today. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. I love you, Kate. Thank you so love much for having too. me. It really was a pleasure. Wow. So I just want to quickly thank D'Angelo because he shared just so from the heart today and his story is so beautiful and I just want to honor and respect his vulnerability. Now at the same time, you may have been listening to D'Angelo's story and said, yeah, I love what he's sharing, but also my experience has been even worse than that. And friends, I understand that really we cannot do it justice by just doing two episodes on this subject. So I want you to know we are committed to continuing the conversation. It may not be on every episode or individual episodes, but we are going to be incorporating it more and more as this season continues and even beyond that on Instagram and even through how we think and how we process and how we serve you in our community. So again, we welcome all of your thoughts and all of your feedback. Thank you for them. And I'm just so grateful that we are able to have these conversations as a community. All right, friends, that is it for today. I will see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 